this is Champagne Divorce Party, where we talk to inspiring women who have turned their divorce into the best thing that ever happened to them. We're your hosts. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Gillian. We're best friends who have not only survived brutal divorces ourselves, but thrived in our lives post-divorce. And now we run Champagne Divorce Club, where we help women navigate their separation, heal their hearts, and transform their lives. Today we're joined by Susie Taff. Susie was living the apparent married dream in a nice big house with three young kids when her divorce came out of the blue. She knew she couldn't go back to her career as a FIFO engineer, so it was time to make some new plans and start a whole new life for herself and her family. We're really excited to talk to her today and hear all about it. Welcome, Susie. Thank you, Carolyn and Jill. Lovely to chat with you today. Yeah, it's great to chat to you. Um, so let's basically set the scene first. Um, how old were you when you got married and how long were you married for? We were married at 28, but together since we were 20. So, um, And then we were married for seven years. So it was basically bang on the 14 years. They say they go in seven-year cycles, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> so it was, mm-hmm. it was the 14 years So um, when it crumbled. So that would have been, yeah, we were together then engaged and then married for seven so so you basically grew up together that's really growing up phase isn't it definitely and mm-hmm. I do think you have very different um criteria I suppose <laughs> when you're 20 to um for a marriage partner and I and I think that I was one of those people that was so pro getting those babies I wanted those babies I was like you get married you have the babies and it was kind of a bit my sole focus. When we sort of got married, I wasn't reevaluating. oh, is this the man for me? I was like, that means the babies, the babies, the babies. <laughs> <laughs> so you I was always seem to have babies? I was. I was. It was just always something. Um, and I did quite a, um, my high school I went to was, I did a lot of the sciences and I became an engineer and they were so proud I was going to be this, Um, amazing like female uh, engineer traveling the world like being really career focused and all I ever wanted to do was have the babies. (laughs) (laughs) Well it sounds like you got to live that part of the dream anyway. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) So you had three kids. Um, How would you describe your relationship at that time and yourself as as a wife? Like what kind of role was that for you? Well definitely for me and I think and I've done a lot of work on this post um divorce but I did the I suppose the classic martyr so martyr put everyone else first try and get every like myself I was always on I was always at the end I was always last um always putting myself um yeah at the back and kids first husband first and really completely lost myself so um I really found especially it's much easier in hindsight to reflect on it um but when the divorce actually came it was such a sense of relief like just it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders um and I could just be free again so but I but a weight made by me I put all those rocks on my back um but uh, and I'm I'm a real yes people pleaser that sort of person um, but only now in hindsight, you can see how much damage that actually does to you. And I could kind of, I knew I wasn't happy. So I was trying to do little things in the marriage to make myself like to, to make myself, um, happier and, um, some like find who I was in it. But I think with all those pressures and the stresses, it was like filling a bucket up with an eyedropper. <laughs> it was sort of like, <laughs> like little bits. And like, I kind of knew what I needed, but 
with all the carrying all the load, it was really difficult to actually achieve it. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think there's a lot of women the same who you think you're doing the right thing. You think you're being a good person by giving all of yourself. You know, we like to talk about giving yourself the burnt chop um, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, putting everyone first. And, and uh, But it just eats away at you. It's insidious and it's 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 such a, a false badge to wear to think that you're doing everybody the world of good because you're not helping anybody. No, definitely not. And you're also setting a really bad model for your children as well, like because it's learned behaviour and um, I definitely learned it and I don't want, I've got two daughters and a son and I don't want my daughters to think that that's how you have to be in a relationship and that's how you should be as a mother. So definitely I teach them a lot now about making sure your cup's full and you can't serve from an empty cup, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. and nor do we want our sons to expect that either from... 100%. <laughs> Definitely. We do that too and also not giving our partner the opportunity to to bring that side mm. of themselves too. We're cutting them out of it. Definitely. And I um, heard a really interesting fact about people-pleasing and because people-pleasing kind of comes, it's like people-pleasing and martyrdom, this high horsey a bit sort of um, coming up from the top. But this interesting thing was, and it was a big aha moment, was when you people please, you're actually lying to the other person because you're not coming from your truth. And so for all us like saintly, holy people pleasers, putting everyone else first, that realisation that we're actually being liars was a really big sort of aha, like actually putting my needs to the back is actually me being a liar to to you. So I'm not this like holy, holy saint that <laughs> is, is up on this pedestal. I'm actually just the same as everyone else yeah yeah and it's so important isn't it to actually be very clear on what we want and what we need and to be able to articulate that to the people we love because I think a lot of us grew up in a generation where that wasn't the case you know parents didn't talk about what they needed or what they wanted apart from you know telling you what you had to do in a rule sense but you know there was none of that sort of clear articulation of of your emotional needs and I think it's such a powerful thing when you're able to do that and to teach your kids you know what that means that honesty yes definitely even as you say I do still now it's like okay what am I actually feeling what do I want and I noticed my middle daughter the other day um, and she's a bit of a control freak, perfectionist, anxious, anxious sort of child. And she, I watched her pull herself up. She was trying to choose, I can't even remember what it was. And she pulled herself up and she said, no, what does Penny want? And I was like, wow, Pen, that is so good. And then she made her decision based on that. So she was trying to factor in. I think when we try and factor in all these other factors, we end up in such a kerfuffle that we end up choosing not what anyone else wants, nor what we want. <laughs> no one wins. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, having been in, in relationships with people who do that as well, it's so hard to love someone like that because you don't, they don't articulate how you can love them because they're too busy making it all good for everybody else. There's no way in. You can't figure it out. That's so true. Um, so, Susie, um, your divorce um, was thrust upon you a bit out of the blue. Can you tell us about, about that, what happened? It was, um, and I must say to my ex's, um, not credit, but to um, he was going through a lot of uh, pressure, pressure and stresses at the time. Um, and I think that the marriage just became one that 
was one that he could shake off. He had a father that was dying from a rapidly onsetting disease and I think that that caused a lot of emotional stress on him. So um, I was, it, 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 so there was a lead up into it, but I just thought, like where I'm from a culture where you just stick it out. You don't, like they don't leave you, especially the kids were five, three and one. So I just, I suppose, never thought it would actually happen. Um, I was doing I was doing a lot about a year in t- before it happened though I started doing a lot of work on myself so um, with a like a guidance counselor but with a quite spiritual undertone and so we sort of were preparing for both roads so and and with the idea that actually if you look it within and um, sort your own stuff out the road that you end up on doesn't really matter. So um, so I did spend probably about 12 months in preparation in case it had happened, so much so that I was actually so prepared at one point that she said, actually, we might actually need to just take a step back here and just prepare for what if you do stay together. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I had done a bit of preparation for, bo- for both cases basically, um, but it still is a shock when all of a sudden, um, well, actually, that's not true. The actual divorce was okay. I was okay then, but then he subsequently went bankrupt and his business fell apart. So then it was three kids, no money by solo parenting. And that changed the game a little bit. <laughs> Divorce yeah. when they can pay you money each week, etc., is a very different story to when you're right. Okay, where to from here? Yeah, that's really having the rug pulled out, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So talk us through those early days. You know, how did you how did you cope with all of that? What did you what kept you going? Um, so the when the money dropped out, I was I sort of had a, again another sort of aha epiphany moment. So I was a FIFO engineer. That's what I was trained in. That's what I could have earned enough money on to support me and the three kids. But um, with the business clubs, my ex had to actually leave the state for a while. So I was sole carer. So being a FIFO engineer with a five, a three and a one-year-old just wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't going to happen. Like I couldn't, like, there's no way you can actually do that. Yeah. Um, so on the day I found out, I sort of just said, right, okay, I'm going to roll the dice on this. And I'd created a product for myself to stop chafe, like just an everyday comfortable pair of underwear, um, that I use to wear with skirts and dresses. So I, at the time, was like, right, I'd kind of thought I might do that as a hobby um, beforehand. And then the day he told me, I was, I got all the frequent flyer points that we had. I took them all out of the account, still had access, <laughs> and <laughs> three trips to China. And I was oh, like, no. I am going to make this business work. This is going to be what I'm going to do because it ticks, um, I, I, not that we can anymore, but I love travel. I love fashion, I love fabrics, I love um, style, I love a lot. So it was ticking a lot of love boxes and I knew, well, I actually thought it would be a short process. It ended up being a five-year process. <laughs> but um, I just sort of thought I've got to do something, kind of retrain in something. I may as well roll the dice on a passion project. So I think I just, you know, I, I'm someone that needs control and a plan. So for me, those three trips were like, okay, let's, you've got three things set and you just sort of one foot in front of the other, get to that one and then move and then you make your plan for the next one and plan for the next one. Oh, my gosh, that's so impressive. <laughs> really impressive. Um, so how did you come up with this, this sort of the idea um, that 
you know, this common problem that women have with underwear? Where did, where did the idea come from? It was just purely from myself. So I did used to manufacture maternity clothing with my sister in my 20s um, as another sideway <laughs> thing we did. But so it, towards the end of that, um, I've always been hippie, a pair shape and so I've always had thighs no matter when I'm a size 10 12 whatever that rub together so I think my shape had changed a bit and I was finding um, flowy dresses and skirts were suiting my pear shape um, as I was sort of maturing a little bit more but they were so uncomfortable because your legs would rub together and at the time this was about 2008 there were you couldn't even buy nude cotton bike pants otherwise I would have been at the shops getting some of them and that would have solved my problem but they didn't exist and so I think you could get black, but that you can't wear that under most light dresses. So I just sort of dummied up a pair and got my manufacturers to make them. And the original pair were more like a stocking with a lace top and lace legs to hold them up. And I actually wore them over my underwear. Oh, so, wow. that, so I just needed a thigh saver basically is what they were. They were just like light thigh savers that just felt like you weren't wearing anything. So so that was the like the original ones look ridiculous now that I see what I've morphed it into. Um, and so I and it was only when a friend because chafe is such a a shameful topic. People don't just sit around talking about their chafe. And mm. I've had friends that I've when I first told them about my product, they were like, "What?" is chafe a thing? And I was like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> I said, you're one of the lucky ones. Chafe is a really big thing. But it's not talked about at all, really. I think because mm. of the shame, like it sort of insinuates that you're overweight or your legs are too big or something like that. So it's not something girlfriends talk about. I do find that the conversation is changing a lot more with the body confidence movement, that there is more discussions about things and we are being... Um, given the, uh, what's it, give, like being allowed to accept that having chafe is actually not anything to do with being fat or overweight or or being a bad person or being shameful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did your engineering background come into play here? Was that helpful? Definitely, definitely. Because I did, um, I was a chemical engineer but did a lot of uh, projects. So um, projects is always like designing something to a specification, getting the materials, manufacturing, quality control, logistics, budgets, time, scheduling, those sorts of things. So whilst you wouldn't think manufacturing clothing is the same as like building, I used to build gas compressor stations out west, they are literally the same, identical. (laughs) Exactly. I know it seems like a crazy um, like similarity, but they are pretty much identical. Yeah, wow. And so so you've got this idea, you've decided to make this a thing, you've booked your trips to China. You were also working, weren't you, in a day job at that time? Yes. And yes, raising your yes. kids? Yes. How did that all work? Oh, five steps forward, ten steps back, <laughs> three <laughs> steps forward, two steps back. Um, it was a real, um, it was really financially stressful. It was really time stressful. Um, somewhere, though, I did have a great psychologist through all of this, though, which I think is so crucial to helping yourself out. And she'd said to me very far at the beginning, something that every, as long as you can take one step forward in a positive direction, eventually your trajectory will change and you will end up at a different place, closer to where you want to be. So that was just in my thought is like, and even if that might be one day, it was all I could muster was a positive affirmation of I know this is going to work. Sometimes that's all I could muster, but just staying true to the vision because I knew 
I was, I sort of had this faith that my product will help women. And I said, it has to be aligned, like to help other women out there that it, it has to be something that will work. It was just this like inner knowing of surely something that helps both me support my family and gives women this freedom to live comfortably and live their lives without having the shame of, of and pain of chafe that has to be divinely aligned. So I had that inside of me. <laughs> that's wonderful. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. I think that's really awesome. And I know that's something that um, Carolyn and I sort of talk about a lot as well. And because, you know, it's, it's such a difficult thing when you're on your own, you're single, you're trying to like make the money just to pay for basic things and it's all on your shoulders and then you have this greater vision, um, you know, as we do with that, the work that we do um, with women who are going through separation and divorce and, you know, to have that sort of um, that, that belief is so important and Carolyn's a big firm believer in the one step forward. One foot in front of the other, You're baby. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long road. Definitely. <laughs> oh, it is a very long road. Yeah. I'd like to hitchhike and have someone come and pick me up and take me to the end, but so tell us what about relationships? What's your stance on those now? Well, I probably did dabble in a bit of the dating scene in earlier on. Um, but I think I just had such I found that I, I really noticed that what I was using it though is as a distraction and I, I had goals that I needed to achieve and whilst it was fun, it was actually distracting me from where I needed to be and that was sort of financial independence for me and the kids. So um, I have sort of put that to the side for the last few years. It's just not my priority at the moment and I think um, and I try and look at it that I'm getting my, I get my sort of love from other places, not that we should need it. We should have it all inside. But um, <laughs> I have my customers send me messages saying like, you have literally changed my life. Or um, like I have so many people send me messages about how, the positive impact I've had on their life. And I kind of feel like that equates to my like boyfriend texting me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think, you know, it's wonderful to have that that love coming from within, but no one's an island as well. I think, you know, we all need we all need that from someone, whether it's friends or kids or, you know, whatever. Um, what do your kids think about the business and about and do they ever say they wish you were still married or anything like that? Like how are they with everything? Well, because they were so young at the time, there was sort of nothing said much then because they were so little. So I think they mm. just accept at that stage. So I have gotten definitely more more comments like I wish you weren't broken up and and my ex has since gone on to marry again and has had a new baby so um they I have had a little bit of that but and a little bit of sort of questioning so why exactly did it happen like why and sort of without me and my ex are still very good friends so because it's 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 bigger than they can really understand I suppose so it's mm. not just a case of um he left um, I learned very quickly on with with help with psychologists, et cetera, that it takes two to get to a place, no matter where that place is. It doesn't matter who walks out the door. You are equally responsible for getting to that place. Mm. Um, yeah. And so they're too little to, under we can't have that conversation. But I must <laughs> say my eldest daughter has said a couple of times, okay, mum, I think it might be time for you to get a boyfriend. She goes, I'd like one that's really fun and that takes us to do fun things. 
<laughs> and I said, great, okay, Nell. And then I think it may be like a week later, it was some really short time or 10 days or something. She said, so, Mum, how are you going with that boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed. She's project-oriented as well, isn't she? <laughs> She's like, right, I'm I've ordered this for you. I said, I'll just go to the boyfriend shop and pick one up, Nell. <laughs> it was very You know, funny. the dating apps are pretty much like that these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she could help you have a look through. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about the profile, like must take my kids out to do fun things. Yeah, I know. Well, that would have to be a really fun thing. Has three kids, eldest daughter has requested, must be able to do fun things with them. <laughs> that would be quite amusing. Well, we do. We have talked about um, the whole dating app thing because, um, you know, we said if you want to be successful, you really do need to be quite honest in your yes in your profile and actually be quite upfront about all of that. So, you know, maybe it's not a bad approach. Yes. Um, <laughs> so now can you tell us you just are kicking goals in lots of ways. Is there anything you're afraid of? I'm afraid of at the moment. Um, no, I've actually been trying to tackle my fears. Um, so I, this, I've just started doing cold water swimming. So I went oh. in July in Byron Bay before it was closed to us. Um, into the ocean multiple times, just kind of trying to actually look at fears and see what is the actual fear around it and, and, and doing podcasts. Like I'm not naturally a presenter, so I'm currently overcoming my one of my fears right now as we speak. Hey, um, <laughs> yeah, so I've just, um, I think that I am making an absolute effort to look at my fears and combat them at the moment. So yeah, throw a fear at me and I will try and <laughs> I will try and combat it. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I think there's something, you know, obviously facing your fears and doing stuff anyway mm. just makes you superhuman really, doesn't it? I mean, then there's nothing stopping you. I I um I did a, a workshop uh what was it about 9 months ago mm. um where you end you um you know, do all this sort of mind stuff and then you hop into an ice bath for 4 minutes and um and ever since I've been taking cold showers every day, which I really hated I'm not a cold person at all I hate the cold and I've been taking it every day and I still curse every time when I turn that hot water off <laughs> but um but there's all these you know I'm not gonna get on my soapbox about it there's always supposed to be all these like benefits to it and I haven't had a cold since I um since I did it so I'm just touching with there thank you very much <laughs> but um but I'm but and now the next step to that is that my son is turning 17 um in a couple of weeks and I'm taking him um swimming with sharks um, because he loves sharks, so we're going to go and do that. So that's like cold water plus big bitey things. Right. <laughs> the double whammy. <laughs> I sort of I was so keen to give him what he wanted for his birthday that it didn't occur to me because if he's under eighteen, he has to have a parent with him. Uh, that that would be me, and um, <laughs> and that I would have to do it too. <laughs> I'm sure they won't let anything bad happen to you, right? Yeah, we're doing it. You know, um, hopefully they'll feed them first, not chum, but like proper feeding. Was <laughs> <laughs> <was> very brave. <laughs> um, so, Susie, obviously you've come a long way. And how long? How long has it been? Did we say? Sorry, six years. Six years. Um, how would you describe your life now compared with when you were married and and yourself as a person? Oh, I was actually just thinking the other day as I was pulling into my driveway, I was thinking, gosh, I love my life. Like I just love the freedom um, to do what I want when I want to. Like last mm. night I actually burnt the dinner, <laughs> burnt the dinner and sort of was scraping off burnt garlic bread to the kids and <laughs> like 
<laughs> they were like, okay, that's all right. And then we had toast. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I really ha love having no like older person pressure with cooking. So we'll have breakfast for dinner. We eat whenever. If they're hungry at four o'clock in the afternoon, we'll eat dinner then. We have, I love kind of just that sort of um, really relaxed routine we have or lack of routine <laughs> I love the freedom like if especially on my time off from the kids I, I can just book a trip I'll book a holiday well book a holiday or I go and do this or I've got I can knuckle down and do like work till 11 o'clock every night for the business or I, I just love the flexibility and I think um, being with someone for 14 years that's quite a long part of your life um, to and especially as a people pleaser, you giving you that's fourteen years you kind of didn't have. So I'm relishing in this, in this just freedom to be me, and to feel and I feel really comfortable around the kids, to be myself. Which I must say, in my marriage, I was never even my true self. So that's one quality that if I was to ever have another relationship, my number one thing that I refuse to lose is that um, comfort with myself and being my true self, which I am around the kids. So so I might not even be ready for a relationship yet <laughs> because I might not be ready to, to drop my people-pleasing ways. I'm working on it um, and mm. just be, you know, dance around in like a crazy person, sing really badly, do all those things that, that um, I hid from my ex-husband. I wasn't my just normal 100% authentic self. So um, I think I'm loving just being in my own skin. Mm, that is so awesome. I love all of that. I can certainly identify. I just love having that time off. I know when you, know, when you don't have the kids and people, when you're first separated or divorcing, it seems like such a daunting thing to not have your kids around and it's really hard and, of course, you miss them. But gosh, I enjoy my alone time. It's really amazing. I love it so much. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And um, you, get, you get another vote over here for breakfast for dinner too. My kids, um, I've repartnered now um, and we've been living together with my partner and his son um, for, what, 18 months now. And um, my kids were still, I sort of, it fell off a bit when we all moved in together. We were doing proper meals, you know, and my kids still, if I give them the choice, you know, it's um, it's, they all have their birthdays this month, which is another story. But um, I've got three, and then he's got one there, and all of them are the same within two weeks of each other. Um, and they get to choose their dinner, and oh, two wow. of my kids are going, "Can we have breakfast for dinner?" Perfect. <laughs> yes, you can. Cheerios, <laughs> let's go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Susie. We absolutely love how you've created this, you know, amazing business and you've really just gone ahead leaps and bounds and you've taken that beautiful, you're just so free now. It's just really gorgeous to see. So thank you so much. Thank you. And we're just going to finish off with our fast five questions at the end. Are you ready? Yes, ready. Let's do it. All right, number one, um, what is the hardest thing about divorce? Definitely the um, needing to be financially independent. So being thrown into the deep end and having and, and raising three kids at the same time. That was definitely <laughs> not, it was like time. It was like trying to, yeah, like rise from the ashes with my hands tied behind my back. <laughs> That's such a good analogy. That's a really, really amazing analogy. <laughs> I feel that in my soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who got you through your darkest days? Definitely my friends and wine. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of wine. 
Um, what's been your proudest moment since divorce? The the actually becoming financially independent, paying off all my debt and resigning from my job and being able to work in my business full time. Oh, oh yes. Hallelujah. I've still got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. What's been your biggest gift from divorce? Finding myself again, definitely that, just finding who I was, what I like, and just being 100% comfortable with myself. It's, yeah, definitely the biggest gift. That's awesome. Um, And what advice would you give to someone going through a tough breakup? I think be really kind to yourself and um, just accept that some days are going to be good, some days are going to be bad, some days are going to feel really surreal, like how did I get here? And some days they'll be ugly crying. (laughs) And just to really accept um, and be gentle and I think get help. Get help from a really good psychologist or counsellor or even maybe it just is a friend that is really good at listening and offering advice. Um, I think that without that help I wouldn't have been able to heal myself from the inside and to be able to find this freedom. Yeah, and that's really such great advice and it's certainly something that we um, talk about a lot is having that that help, like building your team around you, the people that are going to be able to hold you up definitely. during this time. Um, thanks again, Susie. You have definitely turned your divorce into the best thing that ever happened to her. Cheers to you. Thanks, Jill. Thanks, Carolyn. Thanks for listening to Champagne Divorce Party. If you're going through a tough breakup and would like support from industry experts and a community of like-minded women, come over and join our divorce club at champagnecartel.com slash divorce. Catch you next time.